0: You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans! Welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Climb that mountain. Yeah, uh... We're recording audio now, so. Um... We may have to keep this audio gold in there. Who's excited? Cold open. Oh, Brian, it's been a while since we did this show. Shall we get things going? Yeah, a little rusty. Got to jump back so into it. A little rusty. Uh, the sports nerds are back. I'm Sam. He's Brian. I'm in Denver. He's in Michigan. Uh, I guess Colorado and Michigan. That would be the correct uh, comparison there. Let's make sure we have our, our, uh, our ratios set up correctly. Dude, we're back, man. This is great. This is great. It's been back. a couple weeks. I there's know. Lots we sports have. going on too. We should, this lots. is the
1: the honey hole time time of year for us. There's just all four sports are going on. Almost four four sports. Lots Let's of sports ball,
0: week. No, there's there's a ton, man. There's a ton. It, it's kind of to be quite honest. We are recording on Friday and and having the two days, the two or three days prior to this with no playoff baseball. It's been pretty painful. I don't know. Those, those we'll get. Oh, we're gonna right. jump into that. We're gonna jump into division series talk here in a second, but wow, I miss I miss the baseball.
1: No, you're you're right. Like it's um, it's it's like the you get those first four days of March Madness, mm-hmm. and then you don't and get you any have. basketball for like four days, and you're just shaking with withdrawals, and just like this this sucks. Yeah, you you Dude, like you love those four days, but then during the off days, you're like, man, they should spread this out a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. No, 100 you know percent agree. Mean.
1: I thought the Red Sox played tonight, uh, Friday night yesterday mm-hmm. i thought that and then i realized i was off by a day and i have to wait until tomorrow and they play during the wisconsin michigan game
0: oh no oh, dude that's gonna be tough for you what are you gonna
1: what are you gonna go with you're gonna go you're gonna split screen it yeah i mean i'll go back and forth but i think my primary
0: watch will be the baseball game um I was about i'm about to look I'm, at the
1: standings how's iowa doing
0: we are four and one. Oh. and so here's what I was going to ask you right? Uh, do I root for Michigan tomorrow in hopes that Wisconsin loses and Iowa and Wisconsin are both one lost teams in the big right? Or do I hope that Wisconsin loses down the road and that that loss to Wisconsin looks better? Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I
1: mean, I don't know your schedule well enough, but it seems to me that it's easy. I was I was, was going to say that Iowa's path to a top four is only by winning. The Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because that's where it you're going to play some ranked teams. So yep. by that logic, I think you want Wisconsin to lose in every situation.
0: The only ranked team. You
1: have to win the the West to be in the Big Ten Championship game, right?
0: Correct, yeah. The only ranked team left would be Penn State. And so um that's actually the only game that Iowa will probably not be favored is Penn State.
1: would they lose to? Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, okay
0: yeah yeah two two uh special teams fumbles didn't help the cause at all so all right about we should uh, we should jump into today's episode before we do that uh want to recommend or suggest people follow us on facebook you can just go to facebook.com slash sports nerds we're on instagram sports.nerds and then twitter at underscore sports nerds we're doing the live stream now on instagram um so if you're listening to this show down the road just know that if you follow us on instagram you'll get those notifications and you can see what brian and i look like so lucky you please leave us ratings on itunes if you can do that or apple Podcasts, i guess as it's called Uh, we're on anchor now so if you wanted to uh to throw us some dough go for it uh we would appreciate it we have we have costs that need to be covered we uh we Perhaps have a couple sponsors that are going to jump on board with the show, but we're going to finalize those deals hopefully in the next week. Otherwise, Brian, I don't know if folks can find us on YouTube. Uh, We appreciate your continued, uh, uh, you know, listening, watching, all of that stuff. Tell your friends about us. I don't think I have anything else to add. Do you, in terms of pitching the show? Well said. All right. Thanks, Brian.
1: You got stuff you want us to talk about? Let us know.
0: Actually, yeah. I mean, you know, we try to be smart smarter sports talk I think we're getting there the last few episodes have been I think our most popular actually <laughs> when I've been gone you mean <laughs> no 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 you were you were part of it right it was our it was our talk with Dan and Brendan and people loved ah, that that and was that was our, fun that was that was great and then our talk with uh with John Peters of the SFIA who people were we gained a lot of listeners and a lot of subscribers just from that because obviously the SFIA as a as, as the kind of trade organization for the sports and sports sports and fitness industry, a big player. So um, it's glad to have those folks on board. And I hope, we hope that you'll continue listening. So today, Brian, let's do a quick rundown of what we're going to do in case people want to jump through, skip through the podcast. And, uh, and not necessarily you know want to hear one section, but they want to hear the others. We're going to open up with some uh, Major League Baseball playoff talk. I think Brian crunched some numbers earlier this week. I crunched some numbers, uh, some, some, some statistics that will allow us to talk and have a conversation about these, I guess, not so much the wildcard games, but definitely the division series. So we want to get into that. Then we're going to go into uh, a conversation about locker rooms and whether or not you know, certain athletes are bad for locker rooms. We're going to try to take that from an affect theory angle i'll guide the conversation and let brian sound smart while he's adding to it and then finish with the uh elephant in the room there brian i use the correct metaphor uh the correct cliche which is uh i i don't like calling them rape allegations against ronaldo it looks i think the evidence kind of proves that he uh is definitely a sexual assaulter and we're going to discuss that through the lens of um, how we make sense of athletes who are superstars but do really really terrible things so perhaps uh athletes that are shitty people i think is probably the best way to frame that does that sound good to you brian schrader
1: there, there are quite a few
0: of them uh, a lot rob rutt asked is firing chili davis the right move I yeah rob the cubs were completely inconsistent this year it was very frustrating terrible hey brian move your camera move your ipad down a little bit uh on 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 be live because i can't body shot? i can't i can't all i can see is the artwork in the top of your hat Oh, no. on my
1: on my end of, i can see my full frame
0: no no on your uh for the be live not your your Zencaster or sorry your uh your instagram's fine there you go you are cold man you got i just noticed you got a flannel on Jeez, it's cold out man it's like <laughs> 40 degrees outside it's gonna snow two inches here on sunday it says so it's Dude, it's,
1: it's 40 degrees out right now. Two days ago, it was 85 with like 85% humidity. Dude, so damn. That's weird weather. nah, Weather's that, weird. Well breaking news. <laughs> weather is crazy.
0: Climate change is a Chinese hoax. FYI. Or as as uh let's let's go back to our, our rhetorical background. Uh, uh, uh Ted Cruz framed it as as a religion. Climate change science is a religion. So there you go. Now you're learning, folks. Obviously, I honestly don't even know what that means. Yeah, nobody does. It's Ted Cruz, right, Uncle Ted? He's. Did uh, he really say that? He did. I believe he did say that. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, I'll I'll start off with my statistic here. Um, uh, let's see. Between the ALCS or sorry ALDS and the NLDS, we had what did I say? Two wins. We had two wins. One win. Yeah,
1: Braves had one win. Braves had one
0: win. Yankees and the, had one win. um Yankees. No, I do we have three wins? But yeah, Are that's we? right. No, that's right. You're right, because Cleveland got swept. Yeah. Two so we had two two,
1: two, three, one series.
0: So we had two wins within the two division series. That was the first time since two thousand fourteen that has happened, uh, two or less. Um the and then I believe, right, only the second time in the last 15 years that we've had two or less wins in a uh, division series, the other one coming in 2009 when the Rockies took one game from the Philadelphia Phillies, oh nine was in the Phillies won the World Series, I believe right, Brian? Yeah, okay yeah. So uh, I guess the reason why I would even say that, and I think you 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 punched some numbers in terms of scoring per game. It was just a boring, boring division series. They were it was really yeah, hard so to watch playoff baseball over the last five to seven days
1: well i mean individually inside of each game there were moments that were pretty interesting right there were points when those games were close but overall right and this is just sort of back of the napkin math, but it there were only 30 runs scored in the division series by the losing teams by all four losing teams collectively over 14 games which means they averaged 2.14 runs per game um which is insanely low Mm -hmm. you wouldn't i mean it a passing fan maybe that doesn't seem all that low but if you went and looked at average runs scored across the year the lowest team in baseball was over three i believe
0: wow that's pretty significant wow okay
1: And, and and like you may be thinking to yourself well that's a stupid observation because obviously the losing teams must not have scored very many runs if they only won two games over the course of of four series and that's true right Mm -hmm. like those two things obviously go hand in hand and there's a a relationship a correlation between um those two things but it also speaks to the to the broader like two of those Rockies games were unwatchable
0: they were terrible
1: two of those Dodgers games were unwatchable Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the the Red Sox took it to the Yankees in one game 16 to one that was I mean that game that's that's one of those moments that was kind of fun to watch as a from a fan perspective or if you like to see offense it was fun to watch but I think the point here is not that like individual moments weren't fun or interesting you almost always get that but the series as a whole they were over really quickly um you know there was not a lot of high drama moments Uh, for me the the scariest moment and again i'm a red sox fan was at the end of of game four of that red sox yankee series when the yankees made it four to three and it looked like they might force a game five right but i mean that's not that's not high playoff drama if you're if you're worried that there might be an extra game of a series usually you're cheering for that
0: I'm going to I'm going to have a hypothesis. That's a better term for why these were terrible. And I think and this is why I asked you to crunch numbers long term, because I'm very interested in it. And then I actually messaged Sean Foreman on Twitter, who's the president of Baseball Reference, because they don't have uh, they have not produced the algorithm yet to basically tell us they haven't produced the statistic, right, to tell us um, runs by playoff series over history. That's what I'm most concerned with. I don't care, you You know,
1: after us, if they start doing it,
0: I don't know, hopefully, hopefully, right. That would be great. Um, That could be all the stat.
1: Their website could be called sports nerds.
0: I want to see the data to back this, this hypothesis up, the hypothesis up, but I think as we, uh, as the launch angle and um, as more efficient hitting, I want to say efficient, is that the right term? uh, what's as as hitting that produces runs, uh, whatever you want to call that, becomes more popular. And so, hitting four home runs, hitting with a launch angle uh, that is in, uh, increased, uh, continues to grow. I think we're going to see a continued disparity in these playoff series between those teams that that play that kind of baseball and those teams that have just good pitching, because pitching has always dominated in the playoffs. It tends to always dominate in the playoffs, even now. And I think uh, you're going to see why pitching matters way way more. When you get into these series where you have teams that can't hit for contact when they need to, Uh, you know, they can't play small ball when they need to, because I do think that in the playoffs and you and I have talked about this money ball kind of proved that small ball in the playoffs, you kind of have to know how to play it. You really, really do. And it's funny because as a Cubs fan, you know, Joe Madden's really inability to play small ball well has you know almost cost the Cubs a World Series, I would argue. And I think that's why people are really on Joe Madden right now uh, for not having a successful playoff run this year. On the flip side of that, I think that's why you see managers like Tony La Russa, who have oftentimes just kind of barely gotten into the playoffs or not necessarily dominated their division, but you know, still gotten in there, win so many World Series because the guy knows how to play situational baseball uh, in the playoffs. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is – um. I, to me these 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 division series are just uh, they're magnifying uh, the disparity between good pitching and and the kind of hitting that is being celebrated in today's game. Do you think that makes sense? No, it makes total sense. and and
1: baseball's a really funky sport because I think more so than any other sport, what happens in the postseason, is so drastically different from what happens in the regular season. You know, NBA basketball is pretty much the same in the playoffs, right? Football, NFL football is pretty much the same in the playoffs. You're seeing the same people. You're seeing the same styles. You're seeing, you know, the same personnel, all that sort of stuff. In baseball, all of a sudden you've got, you know, a, 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 most baseball teams now carry far more pitchers in their bullpen than they used to. And during the course of a regular season, you see all these guys, you know, all these different pitchers that, that you might use. Um, for 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 different reasons right in the regular season it's more about protecting your rotation it's about not burning through your important relievers and that sort of stuff and then you get to the playoffs and all these relievers that would normally um, you would see during the regular season sometimes they don't even make a roster you know Mm -hmm. what i mean because you're never going to pitch those dudes in a regular season the logic of most managers is yeah we want to get a win if we can But we also want to minimize the effect that losses have on our team, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you'll play the B team, you know, once every six days, or um, you'll have no problem sending out a long reliever to say, you know, we're losing this game. We don't want to burn out a pitcher, that sort of thing. Um, in, In the playoffs, you're going to send out the same, you know, two or three relievers over and over again in every situation and you're not going to pull out any of uh, you know, these relievers you saw in the regular season, unless it's obviously a losing situation, but most managers are unwilling to admit that there, that there is a losing situation in, in playoff baseball. A really good example of this. I think Terry Francona was sort of the, the a leader uh, on this mentality and we've seen it a little bit in the regular season, pulling starters um, uh, out not out of the rotation, but using starters who are in your rotation uh, in in relief roles, right? Mm-hmm. So, just two quick examples: the Red Sox in Game One of the division series pitch Rick Porcello, right, out of the bullpen, as opposed to going to the you know myriad dudes that they used during the regular season off off the
0: bench, and he was supposed to start Game Two or Game Three. What's interesting about that too is I think it's actually a really really efficient approach to to coaching because you and I were talking the other night with that with that game. F- three or four for the Red Sox I guess game four when they put out Chris Sale that's also going to be a dude's bullpen day right so you're going to get you're going to he needs to be throwing anyhow he needs to be throwing x amount of pitches and and you're also going to get value from that as he's not just doing in the bullpen you're going to get outs and I think um, but he was supposed to pitch game five he still could have couldn't you I mean you would have had that I mean that's day off it would have been a day off, but that's still pretty crazy. I'm sure his leash was pretty short, though. I mean, he probably needed to throw, what, 20 pitches? They
1: basically said if a base runner got on, he was going to get yanked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he needs to, that's what these guys do, right? You have to go, and you have to keep your arm fresh, and you got to throw a few balls in the pen, and that's what they were trying to do. And, I mean, I like that approach. I think what's interesting, we're, this is the one thing to me that could keep the Dodgers from getting in the World Series. is if, if Craig Council takes that approach that he did, I can't remember which game it was, against – Was it the Rockies or the Cubs? No, it was with the, I guess the Rockies to, to start your relievers, right? To take that one game. I think that dude, I thought that was a crazy idea. It worked. It worked, right? They ended up, obviously it went into extra innings. That was game one with the Rockies. They went into extra innings and that's because that's when, right? Starting your reliever becomes a little problematic because you don't necessarily have those arms. But to me, right? I think what has been proven and you and I have talked about this, we talked about this with Sean, um, it's been proven that that approach to baseball is really, really smart. You know, having having guys that go out there and throw two or three innings throughout the course of a ball game. it's just that these teams aren't built that way yet. And so I wonder if we see a shift towards uh, less starting pitching, unless you have somebody like a Kershaw or a Scherzer who are going to dominate and be able to give you eight or nine innings all the time, or whether we're going to see teams built around uh, a bullpen full of guys that throw three or four innings. It'd be interesting. But all right, next, 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 next uh, topic. Uh, I wanted to discuss this a little bit because last night I was, I was, you know, watching a little bit of that Thursday night football game and Odell Beckham Jr. Walked out. This is after on Sunday he gave an interview with Lil Wayne. I don't know if you, did you catch that interview with Lil Wayne on ESPN? Yeah, I did a little Lil Wayne interview uh, on ESPN with uh, some ESPN talking head. I can't remember who it was. And he talked about, you know, the climate in new york and the team situation and yada 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 and eli manning all this stuff and um then last night he walked off in the middle of an offensive series he went down to the locker room and i wanted to discuss this because i was wondering right is there is there something to the idea that a guy can bring toxicity to the locker room and make it a bad locker room and like as opposed to just being a a frame or a a sense-making tool that we use to say, oh, that guy's just a bad dude. He's toxic. Do you think that there's an actual physicality to it? Do you think that it actually sucks the energy out of guys when a dude like that shows up into the locker room? I want to go back just a second for those who are, you know, going to be and in, Let's inform our perspective a little bit on this. And so uh, Brian and I are our, our dissertation advisor and good friend, Darren Hicks. Um, he is he uses a lot of affect and affect theory in his work. And he talks about how emotion or words get used to basically make sense of, of our body's experiences, our feelings. And usually those words are called emotions. But there's there's a there's definitely an understanding across various disciplines In academia, right? Psychology, communications, philosophy, but also neuroscience, right? You get into the hard sciences um, that say that, you know, our bodies actually experience situations uh, in ways that we don't necessarily have the words to explain. And so things like hormones. Or when we smell somebody's smell and pheromones, you know, uh, are imbibed or taken in, that actually changes the the kind of energy level of our body, and that can obviously have an effect on how we feel and how we think. And so, uh, affect theory tries to get into this. It's 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 funny because this is a in communication studies, it's like a seven eight year old. Um, turn uh, but whereas affect theory has been around for 20 25 years it's get used it gets used a lot in digital media studies it gets used a lot in quite, quite frankly in computer coding um, folks in Google at Google and Facebook understand but okay, okay so the idea is right that that something or some somebody can actually influence uh, the feeling of of an environment based on yeah, words based on energy based on uh lighting all of this stuff and so as brian was kind of pointing out i think um we can probably break down the physicality of the body the actual biological processes and show that when somebody like an odell beckham or um a richie cognito come into a locker room That's very problematic figures. They can literally suck the energy level out of people, right? And think about at work, as as Brian said. We go to a lot of faculty meetings. We go to a lot of meetings in general. Uh, Somebody who, you know, has... Uh, a Debbie Downer, right? A Debbie Downer in the, in the workplace is going to suck the life out of people in the middle of meetings. And I think that's a real, real thing that exists. And so it would be interesting uh, to kind of turn the lens that Brian and I have used and Darren, has, or I've used that Darren uses um, that Brian is, is aware of on sports, because I think your point about about coaches is spot on. I think your your point that coaches can kind of uh, try to interject positive affect or or at least turn away the negative effect uh, in, in a given situation, short term and long term is really what makes them extremely valuable. And so when you point out about Joe Madden what he brings to the table, I one hundred percent agree. It would just be it would be nice to apply some of these tools that we have in neuroscience and psychology to communication studies to understand, right? does his do his words? Do, does his rhetoric have this effect? or is there something else going on? Or is it both? I guess? It's just it's I'm very interested in this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you can take this past Odell Beckham as well. I mean, how many people have been accused of being, you know, a, a you know, a, a term I'm not a big fan of, but a cancer in the clubhouse mm-hmm. or, you know, being uh, a distraction and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, I think it's also probably important to, uh, to recognize at least the possibility that there's a racialized aspect to this, right. That we're, uh, potentially more likely to code, um, uh, people of color as 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 bad teammates or as disruptive or as distractions or whatever. I mean, the same language mm-hmm. that's being um, used to describe Odell Beckham is the way that we talked about um, Tara Owens is the way that we talked about. You know, just just add just add people in, right? So I don't know, it's it's weird because I kind of agree. I, I, out of that's not what I want out of a teammate, and that's not my vision for what a leader is, mm-hmm. right? That's not a, a good way to i think motivate your team if that's what it is that you're that you're trying to do um at the same time and this kind of circles back to the serena conversation that we had um a couple weeks back sort of telling people how they should feel and telling people how they should react is sort of a, a a dubious proposition um at points right so i i don't know the nfl the
0: nfl i think is is bad about this uh what's interesting too is as you were saying that um um those the argument that you're going to do something like that outlandish in order to motivate your team i think that only works if your team finds that rhetoric to be authentic right there has to be an ethos or credibility aspect to that and so somebody with a history like odell beckham or even again if we want to take race out of it but i know you're spot on also about how we frame this but i mean some dude who's never been a leader uh All of a sudden, you know, giving some speech at halftime in order to motivate the team—that's going to come across as extremely inauthentic and totally uh, uh, ineffective. And so, I think you're—that's—that's—that's a really good assessment. Um, It's funny, the Jimmy Butler thing also that's going on right now in Minnesota. It's the same kind of situation. Uh, I want to—can we make sense of this in a way that brings race back into the conversation? I think it's—you know—the thing this is where language comes in. There's the actual thing that happens, right? There's the actual, you know, uh, phenomenon. There's there's the, the, the growing and decreasing of energy, of a positive energy, right? As feeling motivated or unmotivated. And then we make sense of it in very racialized terms. So I think that's the difference. It's not so much that African-American athletes suck the life out of the room. That's not what we're saying. But I think when we make sense of this kind of situation, how we make sense of it t- tends to be loaded up with um, with with biased terms, right? Whether it be race, gender, class, uh, what have you, uh, some sort of power dynamic. Is that a pretty good assessment? You think, saying yeah. it that way? Okay. All right. Perfect. Uh, do you uh, before we before we 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 wrap up? Because I don't think we're going to get the Ronaldo thing. And also, if the if the audio is bad, I'm a little worried about kind of editing it all together so we can return to that conversation uh, one of these days um, when we're uh, feeling good about it. See, you just cut out again, so I'll let you jump back in. But as I'm kind of explaining. Myself here, uh, I wanted to hopefully Brian will get back on the show uh, and be able to answer this. But I'm wondering if uh, the brilliance, I'm wondering if the success that Belichick has had is really his ability, obviously to game plan, and I think that's a big part of it, but he's willing to take on these very problematic Figures, people who have been, as you had hated to say, cancers in the locker room, and made them extremely successful in that New England system. Like there has to be something about the coach and the system that the coach sets up that is able to counter the negative affective energy that these uh, individuals can bring to the to the locker room. And in this case, right, I think it's been uh, known that you know Wes Welker was kind of a turd, and uh, Edelman is kind of a turd, and even Tom Brady is is very much uh, a prima donna. But yet Belichick has been able to to handle all of this and create
1: rules don't apply to the Patriots. If you try and apply things that we know to be generally true to the the Patriots, it's just a, you know, logic ceases to exist 30 miles in a 30 mile radius around Foxborough, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Isn't that the truth?
1: No, it's true. He's not a player's Mm -hmm. coach, right? Mm Mm-hmm belichick no. i mean this goes to your example he's not he's one of those coaches that has a reputation for you're there for four or five years and everybody fucking hates you and then you leave right that's jim harbaugh that's uh, john gruden that you know you go in you fire people you don't give a shit what your players think those coaches don't have a long lifespan yet bill belichick has managed
0: mm-hmm. to well i think
1: but, you know, part of that, though, is if there's someone in his clubhouse that's doing something he doesn't like, he probably sends them packing.
0: Just like, like that, that, right? I mean, I think that's part of I, – I, man, it would be so cool to have access to the actual interviews or the sit-down conversations, the meeting he has with like a Corey Dillon or a Randy Moss or um, uh, uh, Chad Ochocinco tried to go there. Who is the guy that – who is the problematic –
1: But the difference is Randy Moss goes there and loved Bill Belichick. And
0: I think he just, I think he just stepped in line. That's what I'm saying. Right. I want to, I want to be in on the meeting. Oh, the, like the before conversation. When uh, uh, Josh Gordon, right. Who is it? Josh Gordon from the Browns. Who is now with the Patriots. Like you come there, there has to be a meeting. Like does Belichick say, look, I can make you awesome, but you have to buy in and you have to stop being a shithead. Like I wonder if, if like that would be a really really cool. You get zero chances. Yes, yes. Yeah. and like you said, like no, Moss. Sure. Moss was, dude. I would argue Bill Belichick. Like he, man, this sounds terrible because it's very raced. But like he took Moss to the next level, not just as a player, but in terms of as a in terms of maturity, right? Like as a professional, as a professional. Dude, like Randy Moss is now on ESPN, right? As as a very. uh 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 uh, insightful um commentator on on the nfl right it's crazy he
1: had a career he had a career resurgence in new england that's hard to explain as being anything other than than bill belichick it really is and and you're right the counter example is ocho cinco who who didn't even play Mm -hmm. a game right nope Nope. he left it, he was like the system's too complicated the book is you know got way too many plays in it and i'm not a good fit there yep And I always thought that was that excuse of his was more of an excuse. I think what he was like was like, I'm not gonna fit in. This is not this is not a team for big personalities. You're right. Absolutely. Which makes you wonder how Gronk manages. He's not He's just a, he's just a lovable uh, yeah. And he's a different it,
0: kind of personality. He, I don't think, he's not like a harmful personality. He's not a toxic personality. He's just kind of a, an oaf. Right. And I think there's something, <laughs> uh, he's, he's a goof. He's a goof, but Hey, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up because who knows, um, how, who knows what we got hopefully it turns out into something we'll find some audio to piece together uh brian appreciate you taking the time today old buddy as always we'll uh, we'll do this again next week we'll have to figure out our technical difficulties as always folks you can find us i'm on- in uh, i'm in denver next friday for what debate well i guess we'll have to record in person now aren't we won't we when do you get here Okay. Zencaster crashed. I'm still recording. I'll take your audio there. Brian, don't say a darn thing, buddy. It was good to see you. And, uh, you have a fantastic afternoon.